Today, for the 215th episode of the Copywriter Club podcast, we're introducing our community manager, Brandon Burton, for the first time on the podcast to talk about the power of community, stepping out of our comfort zones, and how to deal with all the voices in our head. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Think Tank. That's the high-level mastermind group for copywriters and marketers who want to challenge each other, create new revenue streams in their businesses, receive one-on-two coaching from the two of us, and ultimately build the business of your dreams. Visit copywriterthinktank.com to learn more. Let's get to our interview with Brandon. I've always worked in sales. I've done... B2B, telesales, door-to-door, account management, retail management, mostly in telecoms. And in the last few years, I just stopped being motivated by hitting targets by any means necessary. I've always kind of thought sales is quite an adrenaline rush, but eventually it just stopped being enough. Um, I loved the company I worked for, but I just, I didn't really like the culture um, and I really struggled with the politics. I love connecting people. I love using technology to solve business challenges. And I've always liked writing. Um, About three years ago, I started a blog called Our Children's World. It was for parents who are interested in the world that the next generation are gonna grow up in. I really enjoy exploring artificial intelligence, modern science, empathy, space, climate change spirituality, just conversations that are important for the future. And I wanted to go that into a larger online conversation, but I really struggled with, there were a lot of digital marketing principles that I just didn't understand. Um, I had no plans to monetize it. I just, I just, I just wanted to do it justice. I thought it was important. So um, on the side, I used to do copywriting wherever I could find small jobs, um, you know, writing blog posts, um, web copy, messing around in WordPress, ClickFunnels, um, building chatbots, Facebook ads, um, just scrappy digital marketing work, learning on the job. Um, I just really wanted to understand the landscape better. And I was working with small businesses who didn't really need loads of work to see big results. I'd install a Facebook pixel, I'd clean up their Instagram experience, I'd, you know, um, pick a strong promotion to run and create content around and just measure it really. And I'd send all my recommendations for free and then offer to implement it, manage it, tweak it and improve it for the next few months. Most of them would say no. Um, They just take the PDF or the email, but but a lot of them would, you know, or some of them would negotiate or just, or sign up. And I was already doing cold pitching in my day job. I wasn't great at it, but I wasn't scared of it. So I made it work. Um, Then about a year and a half ago, my fiance was pregnant with our third child. I was really determined to spend more time with my kids. I went on an extended parental leave and luckily the company I worked for paid an average of my monthly commission for about four months while I wasn't getting my salary. It wasn't loads, but I closed a decent social media and web copy retainer to add on top of it. And yeah, I just took the leap. Um, just, you know, decided that my job wouldn't be an option at the end of those four months. Uh, I got to really enjoy the newborn months with my daughter. I made progress in my business, found more clients through just really clumsy cold pitches and managed to keep the lights on. But yeah, I wanted to build something bigger. Everything since then has just been me figuring out what I need to develop, um, learning it, and then trying to put it into practice, really. All right. There's so much there I want to talk about. So can we go back to the blog that you mentioned, Our Children's World? What are some of the key concepts that you're teaching in in that blog uh, that you can share with us? It's weird because it started off with me just having loads of things I wanted to talk about. And then it ended up being more that I just wanted to invite other people into that conversation. I think there's so much happening in the world and in the future that we don't talk about and it's not just for parents but anyone who's interested in the future will naturally have a say or be able to form an opinion and I think the more we talk about those things the more we can impact them and yeah create a better world for our future so um and and it was around a a 
a broad range of subjects, but most importantly, it was just that anything that, that, that impacted the future that they live in. Do you still run the blog, Brandon? Not well enough. So I did the, the blog and it's ridiculous. I stopped paying on GoDaddy and I lost the site, which wasn't the end of the world because I've got, oh, no. yeah, um, because I've got most of the, the content. Um, and then about a year ago, it just, it was just on Instagram. Um, and now I'm at the point where, um, it is crazy because the business that I've built now was when I look back was really built to support this thing that I wanted to create. Um, and now I'm at the point where I think I need to, um, yeah, I don't want to let it die. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm curious, Brennan, you said that you did door to door sales, you did phone sales, you've had some success as a salesperson. What is it about you that has made you successful as a salesperson? And in fact, when you said that you even like sales, I think a lot of copywriters really struggle with the sales side of running a copywriting business. What does it take to be a good salesperson, at least in our own businesses? I liked almost all of sales. Amongst the people I worked with, I was good at it for reasons that a lot of other people weren't. I mean, you guys have met me, so I was never kind of like the loud salesperson um, but I was very good at just understanding exactly what someone was looking for and then even with quite a limited range of like solutions being good at just suggesting which one worked best for them and I think in our businesses that's how it works right it's we might have one or two really good solutions we might have a an area of expertise but um, a sale can't happen until we really know and understand what people are looking for and then um, it doesn't feel salesy. We no longer feel like we're selling something. Um, and then that's when sales becomes something I think that we can enjoy. So how do we get better at that, figuring out what people really want and what problems they're really trying to solve? And um, that seems to be the area that is your strength. How can we do that better as copywriters on the sales call or before the sales call? Again, something that we do anyway as copywriters, but the, risk, the, the research and, and probably the listening I think most sales conversations end up including things that you already know about your prospect or that they already feel and you found out through either speaking to them or through doing the work outside of that. And I think a lot of the time the barrier in sales is the guilt around feeling like a Nikki salesperson or around being way too focused on the products. And again, these are these are things that come up in copywriting. I just think when it comes to client calls and prospecting that um, it's still the same principles. These, these things are still working pretty much the same way. So Brandon, tell us how you apply that in your business today and the kinds of work that you're doing in your business today. I've rebranded my business recently, or I'm in the process of rebranding it because it's got a bit of a identity crisis. Um, it used to be called words and content and a copywriter that I've got a huge respect for told me it sounded like I do cheap blog posts. So I can't unhear those words now. And um, to be fair, it was quite far removed from me as a person. So, um, and and a lot of what I used to do in a previous life, I suppose, was um, working directly with individuals and business owners. Um, and so I'd like to do more of that. And I'm rebranding as the brand boy strategist and spending most of my time finding out at the moment um, what my target market need and I'm really doing underpriced work just to develop proof of concept and I suppose experiment with different ideas. As you're figuring out this new identity in your business as the brand voice strategist, what are you doing behind the scenes uh, for research to understand what this new offer looks like, your new offers, your new messaging? What does that process, that research process look like for you behind the scenes? A lot of it is speaking to either clients that I've worked with previously or the type of clients I want to work with going forward. So um, the business I'm building does copywriting and messaging strategy for creative introverts who want to scale um, their business without, I suppose, losing their their soul or their values or their story um, as they grow. So there's a lot of people who would fit into that and there's a lot of work that I'm doing at the moment, which means... I'm either talking in Facebook groups or understanding their process or their challenges and reading up on it because I think I'm at the stage now where more deliverable heavy and like we've just said, it makes more sense to to really understand exactly the problems that they're having. 
So Brandon, can you give us an idea of like who your ideal client would be and the kind of project that if you could only do one kind of project, it would be that? Yeah, sure. So my, my ideal my ideal client would be someone who's, um, like I say, creative introverts who are looking to scale their business. So people who've had some success with their work, but really want to be able to grow that um, in the process of growing it, don't want to have to dilute it. Um, don't want to have to lose that um, and maybe unsure on on how to show up and operate and maximize their business on different platforms um, a lot of the work that I do is around um, the user experience and the customer journeys that their clients will be in um, and then how they you know embed their brand voice into their customer success as well so um, it's more around how that looks inside their whole business. Um, and that's something that I'm really excited to, to to grow as well at the moment. I would love to hear from your perspective because you're focused on working with creative introverts. Where do you see most introverted copywriters potentially not showing up and sharing their voice online? What does this look like as you studied copywriters and then other introverted business owners? Where are we struggling to share our voice and what are some of those mistakes we're making? I think that most of what we see online is instant commentary. It's really fast. It happens quickly and it happens. It's, it's a reaction to something. And introverts generally have the ability to take in what's happening around them and kind of dissect it and internalize it. And then generally what happens at the end of that is a better quality of message. And what I don't see enough is, is, that, is us doing that. I think a lot of the time we fall into the trap of working in a world that is a lot faster and is a lot more reactive and and therefore losing a lot of the message that we have so that's one thing and I think as well it's it's um when we're on platforms that we don't feel comfortable showing up on whether that's videos or imagery it's limiting ourselves to what's already happening out there I think there are more inventive ways to appear on social media um and and even if we haven't figured those out, I think it's it's better to do that than to write those off. And that's more the challenge that I have and, and the work that I'm doing with with um, clients at the moment. So Brandon, how do you find your clients today? I've still continued to do a lot of the cold pitch work that I've done from the start. And a lot of that is because I've always made that process quite specific. It's always, um, you know, centered around a single problem. It's always... Um, quite in depth I always try to ensure it's um there's a lot of value in it from the start the work that I'm trying to do now is more around the um networking element because I've always struggled in the past to build a network and to have a network and then to tap into that and um I think a lot of the best people the stronger copywriters the better business owners are really good at at doing that and um finding better quality clients through that process. What would you recommend to copywriters who struggle to build their own network? Maybe they're just getting started or they've been at it for a while and they're just looking out and they're like, I don't have as strong of a network as I would like and it's hurting me in these areas. What are some steps they could take to start building their network? If you're anything like me, I'd just say start small. You don't have to go out into the world and tell everyone you know that you are what you are. And although that helps, if that isn't the best approach for you, then it's be a bit more strategic with it. Um, find a single partner, find a person who um, you can work with, find an incredible opportunity to get the best testimonial that you can and then leverage that. And if you are unable to talk about your work or don't feel comfortable networking in your community, you're still able to talk about what you do on a day-to-day basis. You're still able to share the experiences you have um, because that's still visibility that is in your network, um, even if you're not, I suppose, actively canvassing the people that you already know and their contacts. I wanted to ask about what you mentioned earlier, that you would provide recommendations for free as you were cold pitching and you were suggesting improvements. It sounds like you're offering a really great value to a lot of prospects and sometimes they just take those recommendations and sometimes they actually will sign up to work with you or negotiate. Can you talk more about that process and what you're doing and 
what that looks like because that sounds like something that more copywriters could do to get some business in. Yeah, when I, when I first started, it was it was because that was the only way I felt I could get my foot in the door. Um, and I, I did end up definitely giving away a lot for free. And once I kind of assumed that as the cost of doing business, then I was fine with it. I think there's a lot of value in doing that first. And I think there's a lot of copywriters, marketers, digital business owners who, who will go down the route of um, solving problems in public and um, putting out content on social media, which works. And it's a really good way to approach it. I think the angle of making that knowledge and those insights really personal, really direct, um, really centered around a particular problem that a specific business is having is a great way of showing your quality when you maybe don't have a portfolio, you maybe don't have testimonials, you haven't built your online presence because you're showing something that's a lot more specific to them. I definitely recommend it for, for, for copywriters. So Brandon, you've definitely got like the sales angle dialed in and you seem to be doing well as far as outreach goes. What do you struggle with in your business? <laughs> like everything, honestly, all of it. <laughs> like, I, I believe this is what I was meant to do. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, there's enough here that, that I can do really well, but I also really believe that this journey was supposed to be hard for me. Um, like, those struggles are pretty much always in my head, like self-doubt or just negative self-talk um, or just overthinking simple things. But, and the fact that I, I tend to keep myself to myself. So I'm slowly learning the importance of support networks, but yeah, I can't think of a single thing that in my career that just couldn't be improved by having a better outlook or a better mentality. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how do you deal with the self-doubt? I know it's, I know it's not something that is just switched and um, easier overnight for any of us, but what has helped you as you deal with your self-doubt? I've recently invested in a coach, um, which has been good, which has just helped me to get outside of my own head. I think, to be honest, it's been a bit of a roller coaster because you kind of aren't affected by a lot of this stuff until you identify it. So I've always found ways to operate inside my comfort zone. And then once I decided not to do that, yeah, I just discover all these mental obstacles that I have to overcome. And so it's almost like I've ended up feeling worse in the process of getting better. But yeah, just just being more positive, more patient. I've always made notes. Um, it used to be kind of tactical stuff or content ideas, but now it's just more like journaling. Um, I do a lot of deep breathing. I've started exercising more. Um, yeah, I'm just really prioritizing my mind this year. Uh, let's jump in and emphasize just a couple of the things that Brandon's been talking about. He shared a bit about his sales experience and how it made him a better copywriter. And Kira, I believe you maybe have some sales experience in your background. Uh, does it make you a better copywriter? <laughs> well, I don't want to brag, Rob, but I'm going to. <laughs> Do it. Um, it's that kind of day. I need to brag. Uh, I was I one of my first job jobs outside of college was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I've talked about this before. Renting cars, working in a parking garage. Um, it's definitely one of the toughest jobs I've ever had. Picking up strangers in downtown Brooklyn, driving strangers around. Not the safest job necessarily, but um, in that role, I had a ton of sales training and then on-the-job sales experience and was one of the top salespeople, one of, one of the months, I think it was like January while I was working there, um, a top sales performer, which means I sold a lot of car insurance, rental insurance, and then I upgraded a lot of um, customers into rental cars. So I would take upgrade them, you know, $5 more and you can get this Taurus, or you can get a Hyundai Sonata. Five bucks for a Taurus. I'm in. Sorry. Yeah. Five dollars more. Um, the you know Nissan Altimas were really easy to sell. Hyundai Sonatas were a little pretty easy too. So I had a lot of sales experience from that role that I who knew would feed into my role as a copywriter years later. I would not have been able to connect those dots, um, but it's been really helpful to have that sales background. Um, not only to sell my own services, to sell our own products and programs, but also just to understand a little bit more about what makes people say yes, 
what turns them off, what makes them say no, and just understanding that from standing in front of someone and actually, you know, selling them um, face to face. It was really, really uh, valuable experience. Yeah, I'll bet. What about you? Did you have sales experience? I have never um, done like a an upfront sales job, but I was probably in one of the toughest sales jobs ever. I was an LDS missionary. So I knocked door to door telling people about religious beliefs at one point in my life. And so, uh, you know, that kind of selling, uh, you know, is not easy at all. Um, but I've also led sales teams and done sales training and, you know, helped do training for them, um, you know, to solve customers' problems and help them find the right products for them in the startup that I was part of as well. So I've had a bit of that in my background too. And, uh, you know, Brandon mentioned a couple of things, you know, when he's talking about his sales experience that, you know, you have to to love people, you'll have to listen to them, you know, you have to do your research, but what else would you say makes a successful salesperson when it comes right down to it skills wise? Yeah. I, I mean, I think just from the enterprise rent-a-car experience, um, part of it was just understanding the key benefit, the number one benefit that you could stand behind. Um, for me, it was really easy. It was just, I believed in basically like selling a damage waiver because I saw, I was downtown Brooklyn. I saw how many rental cars returned to our parking garage with significant damage. And I saw how many people were so upset when they had to pay for it and they had to cover it because they didn't have the damage waiver. So I was a believer. I was just like, why would you not pay $5 a day so you can avoid this when you're visiting New York City? And so I think part of it is just um, understanding you know, the audience, the environment where you're working and the number one selling point that you can stand behind you know, with conviction because you believe in it. And, you know, with just about any product, if it's an ethical product, you can find what that is that you align with and you can speak to. So that was a big one. And then I also think presentation, the way that you show up so that you're believable. And for me, it was like <laughs> Enterprise Rent-A-Car forces you to wear suits and get dressed up. So I was in a pencil skirt and like in a fancy suit every day. And I do think the presentation made it a lot easier to um, sell yourself as professional as more believable. And I think that can translate to copywriting and your own marketing and the way that you're setting up your campaigns visually and um, and really just if it feels true to who you are and feels like it's not shady, um, then people will feel like it's comfortable and they can believe in you. So what can you do to be believable and trusted in your space, which goes a lot deeper into the type of marketing that you're creating? Yeah. Yeah. When I ran this uh, sales team in the startup that I was part of, one of the things that we trained our team to do is instead of starting out selling and saying, you know, here's the product, this is what it's going to do for you. Uh, we trained them to ask probing questions to try to identify, you know, what was going on in their business? What kinds of things were they trying to accomplish so that you could then meet their needs with the appropriate product that we were selling? And that is another thing. I think the most copywriters, at least doing sales, sales copy do relatively well. When you start to understand your customer, you know, the pain points, the things that they feel in their lives, what's going on. Maybe it's not even pain, but just understanding, you know, being in their shoes, understanding what's happening in their life around them so that you can help solve problems or provide them with solutions that make their life easier, just makes sales so much easier so much easier to do. And so, yeah, I agree, you know, believing in what you, what you're selling, presenting it in a way that is enticing, um, you know, making sure that it meets their needs. Uh, all of those things I think are really important for copywriting. Definitely. So we talked a little bit about introverts and how introverts can show up effectively. Uh, what do you think works well for introverts when it comes to visibility and uh, marketing. Yeah. Fortunately with copywriting, you know, most of us are sitting in our homes and so we don't actually have to get out of, uh, you know, that introvert kind of uh, a lifestyle very often, but part of being found by the right clients, part of, you know, making the connections that you need to make to really succeed is, you know, putting on that extrovert or that ambivert hat and getting out there. And so, uh, you know, 
I think part of the transition from you know being introverted and getting yourself out there uh, requires maybe a little bit of a, a slow go. You know, it's not something that you want to jump into all, all at once. Uh, you know, just trying out one thing at a time and seeing what works and then, you know, building on that uh, has really helped. I, certainly for me, you know, when, uh, when I joined a mastermind group and started to get to know more copywriters and then, you know, as I went to events and could hang out with copywriters and it, like it helped me to uh, show up more effectively within this community. And then that led to, you know, things like the podcast and other things where I do to show up in other uh, places or in, in a bigger way. Um, you're also an introvert, at least uh, part part time introvert, Kira. You know, are you doing something besides that? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if he, which one of us is the bigger introvert. Not that it's a competition. I think it's a competition. I'll, I'll arm wrestle you for it uh, from the safety of my home, as long as I don't have to go out. So I think I'm a bigger introvert than you are, but I I think we both play the extrovert role when needed. That's true. Yeah, I think what's cool for anyone who is more introverted with marketing and showing up is that you can choose a medium that works for you and a channel, a social marketing channel that works for you. And I, what it's, I've seen, and I know you've seen it recently too, is so many copywriters moving into the podcasting space, which is amazing. And I think podcasting works really well for introverts because you're able to prepare as much as you want to prepare for an episode. If you're hosting your own show or if you're guesting on someone else's show, you can have intimate conversations. You can have it at your own pace. It could be an hour long episode. Um, and it can just feel a little bit more introvert friendly, um, as opposed to some of the other marketing channels where it just feel like even with Facebook groups, to me, it gets really overwhelming to be in different Facebook groups at times because it's such a fast pace and I'm a little bit slower to react. I kind of want to like collect my thoughts um, and I would much prefer a slower paced uh, platform like podcasting in order to share more about who I am and what I have to share with the world. Um, so if it's worth checking that out, if you are more introverted to see if it, podcasting works well for you. Yeah. Beyond podcasting, you know, there are other ways to get out there that work for introverts. Guest posting is one, you know, where your name gets out there, but you're not necessarily performing in any way, um, you know, sharing content in various uh, formats, you know, on LinkedIn or within Instagram. Instagram's a little bit more visual, so maybe you feel a little bit more extroverted uh, or it requires a little bit more extroversion to do that. But there are definitely other ways to do that as well. And uh, I think the important takeaway here is that even introverts need to get themselves out there in some way in order to get seen, to get known, and to be able to attract the right clients for their business. All right, let's jump back into our interview with Brandon and find out more about what he does for the Copywriter Club. It's funny, you know, you mentioned developing your own network and the importance of that for all copywriters. And you're dialed into uh, what I would think is a pretty good network, uh, at least, you know, as the community manager for the Copywriter Club. You have a lot of people who, you know, look to you, uh, you know, for sometimes for advice or to connect them, you know, with things that we've talked about in our community. Talk a little bit about your role as the community manager for the Copywriter Club and you know what you do in our Facebook groups. Yeah, I love it. I think it's um, it's the kind of role, firstly, that I'm glad I applied for because while it's important for me and it ties into the stuff that really matters to me, is that far outside of my comfort zone that. It was, it was, it was a good stretch um, at that point in my career. There's a lot in the group and it's quite surprising how much stuff happens and it's dawning on me all the time how important it is. Um, well, yeah, I'd want to know what was the catalyst for you to apply for the community manager role? Yeah, I was at quite a, a low point when I was still employed. I wasn't kind of doing anything that mattered to me. Um, I wasn't doing work that seemed like my purpose, if that makes sense. I wasn't really pushing myself or stimulating my creativity um, and I decided late last year I was going to say yes to opportunities that were important for my development uh, no matter how scary they were this role opening up was definitely one of those for sure I, I knew that online communities was a large part of my long-term plan and I knew I really wanted to stretch myself um, and to be honest I've been raised effectively as a copywriter in your ecosystem so I also wanted to protect it and 
help it grow, I thought there was value I could add. But there was also this pressure to not mess it up. And yeah, six months earlier, I know I wouldn't have applied. And as I went through the process, I really had to get clear on why it mattered to me and, and how I could make it work. And since you've become the manager, you know, what are your thoughts about the group and what goes on in there? Firstly, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the role, but I also really think that the group is like quite a unique space on the internet. I'm in, or at least I lurk in quite a lot of groups online and TCC definitely feels um, like a unique space. Um, I'm the first to admit I'm still growing in the role and I appreciate the fact you've created this environment where I can grow into this position and, and make it my own. But it's the, it's the type of space where, and, and it's the way community should be, that there's a lot of information that's passed. There's a lot of kind of transfer of insights. I like the way the group operates. And I think my challenge is just to make sure that we can do more of that. Yeah, a lot of copywriters have their own communities too, whether it's on Slack or Facebook or other platforms, or you know, there are other copywriters who want to start and build their own community, or maybe they're helping clients build communities. So from your experience so far, what would you say are some of the ingredients that make a strong community? Um, I think communities have to be transparent. I think there's a lot of online groups, Facebook groups that aren't communities and and that's okay. They don't have to be, but when you're in them, you, you can really tell the difference. Um, I think communities, especially for copywriters, building communities are about referrals and relationships and support more than they are about lead generation. I think if you're starting a community to build or nurture a list, there are just more effective ways of doing that. There just has to be more to your reason for being there. You should build a community that the people you serve love to hang out in. And the social listening opportunities are incredible. There's so much voice of customer. If you make it about them and just pay attention, you can spot, predict, or I suppose even shape the ways your business can fit their needs. Um, and yeah, whether you're focused on networking or building a resource people can benefit from, there might be opportunities to monetize the group, but it can't be your only reason for being there. Um, I'm sure you two would agree it's, it's just not easy work. I suppose I suppose what I'm saying is having a community is committing to something. It, it's the long game. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I, I mean, at least in our community too, sometimes the discussions are a little messy. You know, questions pop up like, you know, should I choose a niche? And somebody will chime in and say, absolutely, you know, you've got to choose a niche and do this. And someone else will you know, pop in and say, no, I've never chosen a niche and it's worked for me for 15 years. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of rich uh, dialogue that happens in there. And I'm not sure that uh, a lot of minds are changed, but it's nice to get the perspectives of a lot of different people as we start thinking about, you know, what should we be doing differently in our businesses? Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think a lot of those questions that are, that pop up quite often, a lot of those are the ones that are, while they're quite repetitive, they're, they're certainly not annoying. Pricing's another one. Um, pricing comes up loads. People kind of go from really underestimating their ability to charge their value to, I suppose, feeling empowered and honestly hyped up to raise their prices. Um, I love it and I totally agree. The mindset conversations in the group are generally the ones that create the most impact. Let's go deeper on that. What do you mean you know, when you say the mindset conversations? What are the questions that are being asked? One of the things that when I first joined TCC that I really liked was that you guys separated what you talked about into three sections um, and mindset was one of them. Um, and I think that a lot of the stuff in the group comes down to um, if not just self-confidence, but certainly um, our ability to see ourselves in that way. And, and I can and I can say that because I certainly feel that as well. Um, I'm obviously in the underground and um, and the accelerator, a lot of the difference I see in the, 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 the copywriting um, or the ability of copywriters to charge and build successful businesses is in their ability to believe that they can do that. Um, and a lot of the questions that get asked in the group um, are because we naturally doubt our own abilities and we naturally doubt or we naturally think that we're more limited than we are a lot of the time. And that's why I think those conversations are really um, some of the most important ones because those are the true obstacles more than, say, you know, 
I'm not sure what to include in my proposal or how do I talk on this client call? A lot of the time it is real stuff that's blocking us from from taking those next steps. Uh, so Brandon, I while we're talking about community and what makes a good community, which I feel like you, you outlined pretty well, what would you say are th- some elements or ingredients that, well, basically, like what should you not do as you're building a community? What would you warn someone against doing or um, embodying as they're building a community that you know from your experience just doesn't work? I think once a community becomes something that you didn't mean it to be, then you've lost it. And I think the only way to ensure that doesn't happen is to be really clear about what you wanted to build in the first place. Um, and to be, like I said before, really transparent about that with other people. Um, I don't think that there is a wrong type of community, but I think it's very easy for your community to go wrong if you haven't been able to be really clear on what you're looking to do. I'd say it's worth just leaving your ego at the door and keeping an open mind. Um, Whether you're part of a community or you're starting a community, there are, um, you can be really successful and experienced and still learn a ton from a really good community. You can be hungry and new and still have a perspective that's worth sharing. And I'd just say, don't try and force it. Communities aren't really part of a content strategy. It's worth being in the room, participating when it makes sense, paying attention to the details. Um, yeah, there's there's really so much you can learn in a well-rounded community if, you're, if your intentions are right. And as the manager of the Copywriter Club community, Brandon, you obviously have a pretty big say in what happens, you know, inside the Facebook group. Where do you see us going, you know, in the coming months or even in the next year or two uh, with the community? What do you hope it becomes as it continues to grow? I think one thing I've noticed since I've been in 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 the community, um, especially seeing um, people join the group, is that there is so many different layers to why someone would join the group and um, what stage of their business they're at. And those insights obviously help us to facilitate and create and own those conversations and I suppose really be a central part of how copywriters move on in their career. And, and then also how great copywriters um, pass on information to copywriters who are learning and developing. And I think um, it certainly would be my hope that the group could continue to develop to, into a place where people can naturally improve as copywriters um, in that one place and, and go from, um, which is the idea that people who are brand new to this almost can um, develop full copywriting careers from the expertise in the room. Can you share some of those reasons that people join our group in particular and what they're hoping to get out of the group when they come in? Yeah. So naturally, um, quite recently, we've had a lot of people who are joining because, um, you know, this is their first foray into copywriting and they know it's a career that they have, you know, some of the um, basic ingredients for. They know how to write. They um like forming arguments, potentially. They want to be in a marketing position. Um, and a lot of the time, it's just they don't know how it works. Um, some people are joining because, and we spoke about this earlier, that actually they are good copywriters. They have businesses that they are trying to grow, but they don't know how to network with other copywriters and other marketers, and they're unsure how to find new business. And a lot of these reasons are, I suppose, spoken about enough that there's clear trends there. There's clear reasons why people want to be part of a copywriting community because there are, you know, tangible reasons for for um, for growing together. And if those are the reasons that people are joining, do you see other things that maybe they stay for that they didn't originally expect when they joined that become even more important uh, over time? I can't I can't speak for everyone, but I would definitely say that a lot of people stay because there are you know, real relationships that are built in in the community. There's real um, partnerships, collaborations. Um, I think a lot of people join, and I see it in in kind of a lot of the stuff they're saying, they'll join to have, um, to find opportunities. But they mean to find a client or two, but they end up maybe finding two or three business partners or uh, referral buddies or people that they can work with in the long term. Um, I think there's definitely something quite um, permanent about the impact of being in in a strong community like TCC. And and yeah, I imagine it'd be hard to leave. 
Uh, Brandon, earlier you mentioned when we were talking about introverts and how introverts can show up, um, you grabbed my attention because you mentioned that we really need to be more inventive with the ways that we appear on social media. And of course, as an introvert, like <laughs> you, you hooked me and perked my ears. When you're talking about more inventive ways to appear on social media for introverts, uh, what does that look like specifically? And what would you recommend? Um, and, and I'm also thinking of when we first chatted with you and you told us that we basically suck at in showing up on Instagram, which is true. And we're not great at showing up on a lot of social media channels, excluding Facebook. And we've gotten better at Instagram. But what can brands, even maybe like ours, who aren't necessarily showing up as well as we could be um, and may even have founders who are more introverted, how can we think more inventively about how we show up. I mean, firstly, I'm sure I didn't say you suck at Instagram. Um, definitely <laughs> yeah, that, the message that was very clear though. That, that wasn't actually <laughs> a very fair way of saying that. That's true. We did ask you what we don't do very well <laughs> and you were, you were honest that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but but there, that was that was an opportunity. And I, but I think, I think going into your question, that is like a, a common opportunity for a lot of us, particularly as writers. Um, and it isn't just because we may not want to show our face or it isn't just because we, um, you know, would rather use words because Instagram has a place for that. Um, I think it's just that there are Instagram as an example, but social media as a whole, so many different opportunities and so many different ways of using the platform that it's easy to just think, well, I need to put up two things on my posts and then use my stories. And, you know, there's, there's opportunities on IGTV. There's people who are creating incredible blog content um, who could serialize that into Instagram stories or who could, you know, um, create highlights that act as, you know, almost a landing page um, for their content or their offers um, or links in bio that are, you know, just have an improved user experience. And um, so as much as I think there are natural things that some people are better at on all platforms, I just think that it's worth really looking into the features of platforms, um, including Instagram, to really find out, you know, where there's an opportunity, where there's something that other people aren't doing so well, where there's something that ties into your strengths and, and your qualities, um, particularly as us as writers, introverts or not. Okay, we're jumping back in here to talk briefly about a couple of things like saying yes to things that feel scary. So, Rob, what when's the last time you said yes to something that feels really scary or even kind of scary? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I'm trying to think like business-wise, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be, be business-wise. But I'm yeah, as I'm trying to think about you know, in the past, some of the things that I have done, and I know we've, I've maybe mentioned these before, but you know, when we started the IRL event, the first time that was really scary. And I've got to admit, every time we do it again, it's still scary. You know, I, I'm, it's, it's such a big budget and it's, there's so many pieces to put together that it feels really intimidating every year as we talk about it. And the week or so before the events, I'm always thinking, oh my gosh, are we actually going to pull this off? Is it going to, you know, totally flop? Is anybody, you know, going to be on stage. We're going to have holes to fill. Like there's always those kinds of worries. And so, uh, there's that I've, you know, I think about bigger clients that I've taken on that I haven't felt ready for. And, you know, the project feels bigger than what I've worked on in the past. Uh, so yeah, there, there, those are some non-specific examples. Uh, what have you done recently that you're, you're, you're scared of, or you're not ready for <laughs> Well, I can drop a few. Um, I mean, a big one, personally, is that I am bringing a child into this world in COVID times, which feels terrifying. So, I mean, uh, aka I'm pregnant. And so personally, life changes. Um, some of the things that I've, the decisions I've made recently have been terrifying and exciting, um, but definitely out of my comfort zone. And I think that's really what Brandon was saying what is out of your comfort zone. And sometimes it's not always professional, right? We, Rob and I have done lots of things um, to take our businesses outside of our comfort zone. 
And, um, but sometimes it's personal too. And that doesn't, that doesn't not count. And so right now it's just, it's on the personal side and feeling, um, totally out of my comfort zone in many ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, in all the ways. So I'm definitely like, I'm definitely there right now. Yeah. You've never built a business like the one we have now with a newborn and, uh, yeah. next early next year, you're going to have that experience and, uh, yeah, lean into that, lean into that hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a big one for me. And, but I also can agree, like anytime I take a new client, um, a dream client and, um, whether it's with the copywriter club or with my own copywriting business, it always feels outside of my comfort zone. And you start to deal with all the mindset problems, you know, they all pop up, uh, which Brandon talked a lot about too. All of, all the voices in our, in our mind start to perk up and that doesn't really go away ever. So, um, it's a good sign you're outside of your comfort zone, which is, can be a good thing. Yeah. Mindset comes up a lot as we talk with different guests, maybe because we're bringing it up, but also they oftentimes have a lot of this in common. And it strikes me that, Maybe, well, most, maybe even all of our problems that we have as business owners, as copywriters are mindset problems. Uh, you know, it's, it really is that we're thinking too small or we're not giving ourselves the permission to do something that feels odd or different or scary or hard, or, you know, we're uncomfortable, you know, charging a certain amount of money for the work that we're doing. All of those are, are truly mindset problems. They're not they're not real business problems. They're not even necessarily personal problems, uh, but it's just the way we think about the world is a mismatch for what's actually happening today in our businesses. Yeah. And that's why we, I mean, we focus on mindset in the copywriter underground in our membership. It's a big part of the conversation. And if anything, we want it to be an even bigger part of the conversation because we see firsthand how mindset holds back and um, causes so many different struggles with copywriters who are at a high level too, right? Like they're doing, they've built a really cool business, but it's still, it still is a persistent challenge. So, um, I think it's a big part of the conversation now and will continue to be a big part of the conversation. Um, it's not, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Let's go back and finish up our interview with Brandon and talk about communities, specifically what Brandon does for the copywriter club community and uh, how he keeps it running smoothly. So I want to go back uh, just to our discussion a little bit about the uh, Copywriter Club Facebook group and ask your advice, you know, how can we get more out of the group or how can we maximize our experience inside the Facebook group so that it is not a distraction, but it's actually helping us build our businesses? Yeah, um, I'm currently working on that question myself. And, and the answer without the specific seems to be that there is an element of, I suppose, like structured engagement that that is welcomed. That people do want to have um, conversation starters and and um, and points that are raised. And um, I suppose almost um, particularly when we talk about the underground themes and um, things that make um, our businesses move forward together at the same time. Um, in communities and groups, you'll always have new people joining. You'll always have conversations almost restarting. Um, but you also always see, and one of the things I love about the group is there's this almost collective voice where someone could come in and ask a question, receive really good advice. And and then, you know, two months later, they're the person giving that advice back to someone else. And I think those conversations really work, um, but it's also worth um, centralizing those. And, and I suppose it's my job to find ways that, that you guys can can really lead and own and um, centralize and bring that conversation together. What does it take, Brandon, to manage a group behind the scenes? So I feel like sometimes it just, from an outside perspective, it looks it could look like you're in the group all the time, or like you're you know you see everything and um, you have eyes on everything, and and maybe you do. But also, like, what does it actually look like managing a group, especially you know from um, the UK and uh, in different time zone, what does it look like in your schedule so that it doesn't get out of control too? And so that you have your own boundaries and you don't feel like you're in the group all the time and it's taking over your life, which hopefully you don't feel like that. 
is is it not like is it not meant to feel like that um <laughs> maybe i should have asked yeah a different question no no to, no to be to be honest um there are definitely ways of keeping boundaries and i'll be really honest i find the group quite addictive and it was the same before i was community manager as well i think the one thing that i probably underestimated or wouldn't have had visibility of before is that there is always something going on um so i would say it just means being quite strict with myself in terms of when i can check in on the group um but we're lucky that we have a group who um while it certainly doesn't self-moderate it definitely um when i speak about that collective voice there's a lot of people who understand the culture and the intentions of the group and um you know will raise a hand when things don't fit into that um and i also think when it comes to kind of what that work looks like it's more that um while the group itself looks um sorry works okay and the conversations happen it's more the bit that we just spoke about is then what does the next bit look like if this is where we are now and this is how people can engage in the group how can we improve that experience and again that's a lot of the stuff that that, that we're working on as well and obviously there are rules in our group too and people don't always know what the rules are you know uh we have a rule against memes and a rule against you know uh, being being unkind uh, to people how often do you need to moderate comments or take down posts that don't fit with the rules or or is the group so good that it just almost never happens the group is great but it does happen um i would say i don't know maybe three or four comments would get deleted maybe three comments a day would get deleted um and sometimes when there's flare ups or um you know like particular in instances then it could be more than that um generally i think i would under moderate the group um because i think and i think you guys agree and i think the, the community agrees mostly that there is a need for almost most of the conversations we have um and if it's in the rules um then the conversation can generally continue i just think there are times when um it crosses the line or when content or um, posts are shared that just don't fit in with the culture of the group at all. Is it bad that I didn't know we had a rule against memes? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have a meme I want to post. Um, uh, and you also, can. yeah, I was just, just going to add the note that this just, what you said triggered it for me, but I think that the groups that I've joined where it's just the same person, usually the host of the group, posting and asking the questions. Um, I don't know. I'm always less interested in those groups and I, I can kind of feel the struggle of the person trying to get the group going. And I think there's a certain time where that's needed, but it also feels like it's less community at that point And it's more one person and the spotlight on that one person as they're trying to get the engagement up and all those things. Um, how how can if someone's struggling with that or has a client who's struggling with that because a lot of our clients do and they don't have the community involvement and it's in the earlier stages of building a community how could they get more people involved in the conversation so it does feel like there's less pressure on this one voice and um it and you can kind of step away from being the star of the Facebook group and really turn it into a community where it's less about just that one person I certainly agree that I don't think there should be a star in a Facebook group or in a community because what you're really looking for is just that collective and that 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 evolving voice. Um, and when those conversations end up being either one-sided or forced, um, I think it's usually because there's a disconnect between why the people are in the group and what they're actually receiving when they're in the group. So, you know, that that disconnect could be established just by reaching out and asking people. There are more interactive ways of appearing in a Facebook group that don't necessarily just seem like you're talking to people. Um, I also think if we thought about the TCC group, there are so many different people who are willing to bring their thoughts to the table. And if you're in a group that doesn't have that, it's more about attracting that level of person that person who's willing to share and ask questions and 
and um, and I'm always surprised that because I'm one of them, how many people in a group are willing to soak up and learn and and, and get so much from a group without engaging, which can't be a problem. Um, but all groups have a mix of those personalities, and I think um, it's important that um, they're all kind of um, incorporated. Otherwise, like you said, it can seem a bit either one-sided or um, yeah, a bit forced. You said that the group can be quite addictive. And so I'm curious how you manage your day so that you're not in the group all day long and you're actually able to you know, spend time with your family, work for your clients, do the work on your own business that needs to be done. How do you get it all done? So part of what helps is the time zone because when I wake up, all, everything's pretty much quieted down. So I can see what's happened previously. And then between the morning hours and early afternoon, I'll have, if I have tabs open, the Facebook group might be open, but there are, there isn't generally much happening during that time. Um, in weekdays, I have a, a hard time that I close my laptop because if I don't, then yeah, I just won't stop. Um, and, and, but most importantly, I think that, and I was given this advice by Britt, the previous community manager, it's just to have periodic times that I'm checking the group. Um, and when I do do that, instead of just kind of lurking and scrolling in it, yeah, that's, that's a much more effective way to um, moderate, but also to, to see which conversations are just, yeah, just need a, another pair of eyes effectively. Because you mentioned your blog earlier and, and you're interested in futurism and um modern science and really thinking about our children's world, I have to know, you know, what is the future of copywriting and marketing and business look like to you? I love this question. Um, <laughs> I don't know if my answer is controversial, um, but I, I think artificial intelligence is coming for large sections of our job and I'm happy for it. I think it can be programmed to have the advantage. I think it can have the data for the research and the voice of customer and targeting and personalization. Um, and it will improve a lot in the next five, 10 years. Um, I, I do think we'll always be involved in the process, but I just think we'll be using AI as a tool that replaces a lot of the work we do right now. So we'll continue to be challenged to collaborate and solve problems because AI isn't creative or emotive we just might be less involved in creating the copy. And I think I think we should embrace it. I think most copywriters just really want great messaging and marketing that positively impacts people. Um, and the tech is inevitable. I just think we need to make sure it fits into the way we see marketing. And if that's the future of copywriting, what's the future of your business? What's next for you? I'm really excited to grow as the brand voice strategist. I'm also working with a friend on a course uh, with loads of kind of low cost value called one hour side hustle. And like I mentioned before, I'm determined to relaunch our children's worlds. I'm quite ambitious, but I know I've already got quite a lot to be grateful for. So I feel like I'm slowly gaining momentum, but I'm also not rushing anything. I want to hear more. Yeah. I want to hear more about the, uh, the uh, one hour side hustle when uh, that's ready to go. Yeah. Can you give us a hint of what to expect with the one hour side hustle or when you're launching it? Oh, apologies. Yeah. Um, so, so it's called the one hour side hustle because we've kind of had this COVID situation where a lot of people have been furloughed and people are going back to work and they're in a position where they don't have the time. You know, we were all told that while we're furloughed and while we're off from work, this is the time to follow our passions and our hobbies and build something. And we may not have the opportunity, but I think a lot of people have experience of growing businesses while employed or growing interest while employed so um we're putting together a course that just talks about those steps and that's not just the actual physical things you have to do to create a business but the work you have to go into really mastering your craft and um, i suppose the mindset stuff you have to work on to um to take you and yourself and your business more seriously and the daily discipline it takes to carve out an hour of your day to develop your own side hustle and um yeah it's in spirit of the course um we're building it one hour a day and i'm refusing to invest more time than that into Ooh, it because that's, that's the point. good so yeah, yeah i like that 
I'm excited to see what this turns into. I can't wait for it. And it feels like the kind of thing that is uh, way overdue or, or certainly welcome for a lot of us who do want to build side hustles uh, to what we're doing with regular businesses. Fingers crossed, yeah, hopefully. Brandon, where can uh, the copywriters listening find you if they want to learn more about the one hour side hustle, our children's world, your work as a brand voice strategist? And then, well, we know they can find you in the Facebook group and the TCC Facebook group if they want to talk to you or if they have anything relevant in there. But where else can they find you for the other uh, parts of your business? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at the brand voice strategist. Um, my website is the brand voice strategist. Um, you can, yeah, if you're a copywriter and you're listening to this and you're not in the podcast, um, sorry, and you're not in the group, then yeah, you definitely need to join it. But you can catch me in there as well. So yeah, say hi. Thanks, Brandon. This has been great. It's good to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better and just to hear about what you do in your business. And so we thank you for coming in and sharing all that you know. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and we're, we're grateful to have you in the community as the community manager and then in so many other areas of the business too. So thank you for everything that you do. That wraps up our interview with Brandon. He talked a bit about artificial intelligence and, you know, that's it's pretty cool to hear that because that's something that you and I have been talking a lot about recently and we even brought in um, an AI tech expert, marketing expert, Teddy Garcia, who's actually the CTO um, at Todd Brown's team. And he came into our Think Tank Mastermind recently at a retreat to talk about the future of AI and which tools are the best tools. And just to kind of give us a synopsis of what's happening in that space. And I've got to say, for me at least, it was more uplifting than anything because I feel like oftentimes when we talk about AI as a copywriter community, um, it feels a little bit down. Like it feels a little bit negative, almost like this is going to wipe out our jobs and this is the enemy. Um, but when ta- or when Teddy talked about it, it actually felt like, no, these are different tools and platforms that we can learn about and we can use with our clients to be better service providers and problem solvers. So there's no reason you have to be afraid of it. Just keep updated and understand the space and how it's changing. Don't be ignorant, but it's you're, you're not going to lose your job unless you don't pay attention to the changes that will take place over the next few years. Yeah, I think a lot of copywriters see the the news articles that come out. It's like, oh, this AI engine just wrote a headline that outperformed, you know, all of the headlines written by other copywriters. And that stuff is real. It it happens, but when you take a step back and see how it functions, it's the kind of thing that uh, could help copywriters as opposed to compete against them. You know, if we're using those as tools in our business to help our thinking, to understand what's working, and then to add the emotional context which AI is terrible at, and to understand you know, what a client really needs. Again, AI does not understand human interactions. There's no emotion. There's you know, any of that, um, any of the stuff that makes us human, we need to be there in order to be part of that conversation or that sales process. And so, you know, like you pointed out, you know, Teddy shared with us maybe 25 different AI tools. And uh, I would say half of them, are, you know, are affordable enough and useful enough that copywriters could incorporate them into their own businesses in some way or another and actually use them as a point of difference, you know, maybe a, a unique mechanism, something that sets them apart from uh, other copywriters. And I, I would add that, you know, there is actually a reality that AI could take away some copywriter jobs, but if all you do is the kind of stuff that AI does then uh, you really do need to step up your game. You need to learn how to connect with people emotionally, or you need to write the kind of copy that AI is going to struggle with. And the more we do that, the more we can use AI as a tool as opposed to fear it as as an enemy. Yeah. And a lot of the tools that he shared with us are actually there to help speed up our processes and help us right. move faster in our projects and maybe not take so much time doing this or that because we have tools that can provide what we need to move forward with the copywriting project. Yeah. And then to wrap up this particular podcast interview, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about our community, what Brandon does in our community and the amazing way that he has helped moderate it and keep it running and, you know, um, help be there when we can't be in there. 
there are so many different ways that, you know, he has made that better. And so, you know, first of all, thanks, Brandon, for, you know, for doing that. Um, and anybody who hasn't been part of the Facebook communities that Brandon moderates, uh, the Copywriter Club on Facebook or the Copywriter Underground on Facebook, uh, you should be sure to check those out as well. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think makes a good community? I know Brandon shared um, his thoughts on it, but you know, you've been in there growing the community since 2016. What, what do you think makes it um, work for copywriters who are building their own community? Yeah, I can only speak about our community because it's really the only one that, you know, I've been part of building. But I think one of the things that has made our community different from many of the other copywriting communities, either on Facebook or elsewhere online, is just the vibe of support uh, that it sort of has had since the very beginning. And I think that actually has to do a lot with you. And when you were inviting people into the group and, you know, engaging people early on, uh, it sort of set this tone of this is a, the kind of group where everybody is welcome. Uh, you know, questions can be asked no matter what they are. There aren't really any dumb questions. And we've seen the same questions asked, you know, as beginners join the group over the last three or four years, they, they tend to ask sometimes the similar questions, but, um, it always being a welcome place where, you know, people aren't shamed for asking, you know, a dumb newbie question, uh, but where uh, expert writers as well can share what they know and show up in a, a way where they get the respect for the knowledge that they bring to the table as well. And so, you know, as far as like what makes this community so good, uh, I, I think it's the, the members themselves and their willingness to reach out, to share, to help, to support. Uh, no matter what's going on, it, it's really just a, a community where people want to be there for each other. Well said. Yeah. Would you add anything to that? I mean, is there anything <laughs> else that our community does really I think, well? I, mean, I think you covered it really well, but I, I would just say from the beginning and until now, we have never made it the Kira and Rob show in our free Facebook group. Like we have, I mean, the podcast, of course, we show up on the podcast, we show up in our other um, programs and paid programs and paid memberships. But we've been really clear from the beginning with the Facebook group that this is for everyone. And we want to have multiple leaders uh, in that group. And we don't want to just be like, everything is Kira and Rob think this, this is how we would answer that question. Um, and so I think by stepping back a little bit, um, uh, that's been really helpful to allow other people to step forward. And so I think that's something that could separate a stronger community from maybe one that's struggling um, if you're able to do that. Yeah. And if you're a copywriter that has not been part of a community in the past, uh, jump into the free Facebook group and check it out and see you know, if it's the right community for you. We want to thank Brandon for joining us for this episode. If you want to connect with Brandon on your own, you'll find him in our free Facebook community, of course. Uh, just go to Facebook and search for The Copywriter Club or check him out at wordsandcontent.co.uk. That's the end of another episode of The Copywriter Club podcast. Our intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. To learn more about how we can support you as you build your copywriting business, visit thecopywriterclub.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.